performers happiness in the arts podcast that's meant to gas up musical theater performers as they pursue a long career on the stage we bring flatulent happiness to ourselves and to each other through integrity authenticity love and of course humor all guests on this podcast are out to help musical theater performers and while we do it ah we may laugh at the simple things like the word penis penis I love it. Oh my God. Mark, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for taking Hi. up the time to come on. This is yeah, an absolute for your joy. Oh, no, it took a second to connect schedule wise. Oh, that's fine. That's totally fine. You know, the more you have going on and the more things you're achieving, the busier things become. And that's okay. That means this you're true. Li literally living your dream life. So that's a good true. thing. That's a good thing. So it's good to have you on here. I'm Thanks. super excited. You guys, let's welcome Mark Fisher Fitness here in the NYC Musical Theater Performers Facebook group. This is perfect because you actually, all everything that you bring forward in your business is such a good, positive, very musical theater energy that never existed before. It didn't, it didn't yeah. exist before. You, it's really not in gyms. It, it's it, for sure. And I, I just could not be more grateful for all that you have brought to the musical theater community with your business. So first of all, I just Thanks want to so say much. thank yeah. you. <laughs> thank you for, for getting it. It's a, an unusual thing and it's certainly not for everybody, but uh, we like to think that if people it's for, it's really for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I actually want, so we're focusing on the whole entrepreneur journey and you were an actor before and then moved into an entrepreneur. So I would love for you to tell how that happened. Yeah, uh, very randomly. I think uh, it's hard to just to, uh, randomly, but also gradually. I think that I was an actor like many actors who had a side profession. I happened to really, really like mine. I went very, very deep on it. And I had a several year period where I was doing both very seriously, where I was like working a fair amount as an actor and I was also training very seriously. Uh, and at the time I continued to read lots and lots of books, get more proficient at my craft. I reached a certain point in my life where I realized I didn't want to leave town for regional stuff anymore. I did an Allstate commercial and I made a big check of money, big pot of money like I'd never seen in my life. And I promptly decided that I was a TV and film actor and I was no longer leaving town to do regional stuff. And that afforded me the opportunity to really focus on Mark Fisher Fitness as a business. It was also around that time that I adopted a more disciplined and strategic habit around reading. I had historically always been a very big reader, but around that time in my life, I had read that a mentor figure was reading two books per week and I thought that sounded good. I want to do that too. So I, yeah, I started reading like two books per week and I would do like one for training and nutrition and I would read one about business because I thought if I read about business, it would help me with acting since acting is a business. And then hilariously, it sort of just planted the seed that grew into Mark Fisher Fitness uh, because there are many things challenging, of course, about acting as a profession. And I began to see more and more what felt like this opportunity to really do this interesting thing in New York that would satisfy me creatively and allow me to have some of the lifestyle benefits of an entrepreneur that uh, were a little bit more in keeping with my personal life ambitions at that point. And then, and then it fucking worked. And then people were, they were like, yeah, it's okay, you weird unicorn ninja person. Yeah, sure, this is acceptable. We'll go to your weird clubhouse, non-gym place. I love it. And they all lived happily ever after. Happily ever after. Did you ever experience a feeling of loss? That feeling that you quit or a failure yeah, leaving? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I, I probably would have maybe pulled the trigger a little bit sooner. 
But the challenge was I was so identified with this self-identity as like actor, like this is who I am, right? This is who I always want to be. It's who I feel at my core I am. And, uh, you know, I think mixed in with that, there was a lot of feeling of like, am I letting down my mentors? Am I letting down the people that have believed in like my gifts over the years? Like, you know, like on some level, I think if you do this, if you're an actor, you have to believe on some level, you have a thing that you do that is like unique. It's like a unique gift. And it's like the Martha Graham quote. And it's like, maybe not perfect. No one bats a thousand, but you have a unique expression that only you can bring. And there was this feeling like, am I walking away from that? Am I like letting down like mentor figures that I felt like really saw so much like promise in me? And that was very hard, but ultimately I kind of got around to like, no, the only way I could let them down is if I'm not doing like what's in my heart. And like my dreams just changed, they just changed. And honestly, MFF, particularly my teaching style has always been a form of performance art. And now most of what I do professionally is speak professionally, where basically I do like a 45 to 60 minute show and I get to talk about the things I care most about and I get to like write, direct and produce these shows and you know, help people in the business world hopefully be more impactful what they do and just hopefully like impact a lot of people to make the world just like a little bit better. I love that. Through your, your, your gym, you've been able to take something else to a different level. I love that. Sarah yeah. Joy Kane is asking, do you have one or two books you would highly recommend? Yeah, well, it's so hard to, if you want to uh, provide any more uh, context, I'm happy to go into more detail. Uh, if we're talking about entrepreneurship, the book to read is called E-Myth. Uh, ah. Very cliche, entrepreneurial myth, but it's like the book. Um, because the reality is that, and this is very, I think, important for artists, is the reason most businesses don't succeed is ultimately you have to turn your art and your humanity into some kind of system. Yeah. Because if it's always just like whatever you want, like whatever you feel like that day, it's not very consistent. And particularly if you're in the service industry, it doesn't lead to a good product. It's not like printing a T-shirt where it's like going to be pretty much the same. Place like MFF, it's like, and that's hard. It's the hardest part about MFF. How do we empower the team to be totally human and deal with what's going on in the moment, but be consistent enough within certain parameters, within certain standards, that ninjas are getting a consistent thing. And it's not like, well, like, I don't know what I'm going to get today. Like... They might start like 10 minutes after the hour and like I thought it was going to be this class, but today they just did this other thing. Um, and that can be quite challenging. But in many ways, I actually think actors, uh, artists in general, particularly actors, I think are uniquely well suited to understand that. Because when you're in a show, you can't be like, well, I just felt like crossing down stage left today. That just felt organic to me. Like, well, it's like, no, like you, you have to block it. Let's go there. You have, you have a very, very tight parameters within and you have to find ways in that performance to live that organically and do that to really live into that moment and again actors and artists are I think uniquely suited to understand but that structure that constraint can be freedom right you can do what my acting teachers often refer to as playing within the play mm -hmm. and business business is, is, is oftentimes the same way and when businesses go awry it's because an individual feels too hamstrung by creating any sort of systems. And there's a negotiation to be sure. You can certainly hold it too tightly and absolutely crush humanity and make a robot. And nobody wants that. Certainly not in a service business. But at any rate, the book E-Myth goes into a lot more eloquent detail than I can do in a, a brief blurb. <laughs> brief blurb, but that's great. So E-Myth, definitely check that out, Sarah Joy. All right, now for you, you created your business. How did you 
come up with all this greatness that you have with unicorn yeah. um, people just getting to be these kind of authentic crazy selves themselves how did you how did that develop yeah it was again it was pretty organic i think like i've always had uh sort of an impish provocateur in me and i think particularly once i moved from training and, and even when i was training i was like i had certainly eccentricities right i think i'm an eccentric person um i think as a trainer i was pretty good at like kind of meeting people where they're at but then as i got to know them for a little while they would get like the full robust version of mark which is like probably pretty eccentric even though when i'd first meet with sometime an individual depending on who I was meeting, and I didn't do this like, uh, like really on purpose. I think it was like, frankly, out of like a desperate desire to be like, be like motion secure household. I don't know, I'll talk to a therapist on one day. But there was a <laughs> sense of whoever I'm with, like they're gonna get like professorial academic mark, or maybe they're gonna get like, uh, you know, like cool, like, oh, frat boy, you're gonna drink in this weekend mark. Or maybe they'll get like, um, you know, very nurturing, sort of gentle, like I love musicals too, Mark. And they were all me, but they were just like different shades of me, right? And in acting, right, we, that is often referred to as a typical characterization, right? Or if you've ever heard the term French scene, a character is who they are because of the people we're in the room with, right? And I think I was pretty good at organically meeting the person where they're at and then moving them towards slowly down like the funnel to like, actually, this is like the Mark. And who is that too, but also has these other shades, these other colors. Teaching class was interesting, and that's much more like a performance. That when you have 20 people, you just have to kind of do your show, you know, and you still read the room. But that's the thing that's been fascinating as I've moved to do a lot of like coaching consulting. There, that is a different skill set to read a room than it is to read one individual. Yeah. And I think like I think I'm pretty good at reading one person. I think there are people that are better. Uh, I think I'm very good at reading a room. Like whether it be 15 people or 500 people in the audience, like I can fucking suck in my soul force with them and it's like the super flow state, which again, as artists, we, as actors, we're uniquely used to. It's a huge advantage I have for speaking. A lot of people are terrified to speak in public. The only time my life makes sense is when like I'm on a stage and a lot of people are looking at me. I get that. I and totally it, get that. And it is that. this like hyper focused, <laughs> yeah. aware, edge of the knife thing where we're synced in which uh, you know is a particularly wild thing to do when you're speaking because you're not acting, you're being yourself, right? Like you still have a structure, you still might allow yourself to feel an emotion, you still rehearse, I still have bits, I still have like, I know if I, I get a bigger laugh, if I do way to be before I advance the slide. Um, but there's more room in that moment to really riff what's going on with an audience. To some extent acting, again, you, you're actually in a tighter thing, but there's still that same sense, right? You know, I can remember I did a play, uh, that was an original American play called Virgin Priest, which I loved doing. And at one point I was on stage in my boxers with a boa constrictor, with a big snake around my neck. And it was such a satisfying moment as an actor because there's hundreds of people looking and the smallest movements, you could feel them all jump. So that sort of shared group flow state experience is something I think I'm like endlessly hungry for. And it's something I look for internally with MFF and our team. It's something I look for when I'm, I'm teaching classes, it's something I look for when I'm speaking. Like that group flow state is, I think, a, a personal obsession. And I think I learned that in the theater. It sounds the theater. as though this has been the fulfilling component in your life with not doing the acting. This has, in a sense, taken, morphed into 
a way totally. to fulfill. That's ab that's absolutely yeah. beautiful. I love that. And so it never feels like you a, really left it in a sense. No, no, not really. You know, because people ask, do you miss it? I'm like, well, no, not really. Like, now would I ever go back? Like, I don't know. It's funny because we're in a place now, like with my life and my business, where like, yeah, I probably couldn't go do like a six-week job. Like, you know, like I think back to some of the old theaters I worked at, old directors I worked at, they were like, yeah, come do this play for six weeks. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I'm, I might for the right play, for the right opportunity. Just I can totally see, but the funny thing too, for the fun, but I could also see the audience would be Mark Fisher fitness people. You would, yeah, have, depending you would on the, have fitness people come. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, the first couple of years, honestly, like I started getting some really like interesting opportunities as an actor, but I was just like, no. Like I would do like quick things. Like I did like, like uh, I got cast to, I was like Susan Saran's boyfriend on the big C for one episode or like. I did like a reading in the public or like, so I would do like things like that if they were very fast. Yeah. But like, I just wasn't interested in doing anything that was like long form. Because it you know, could I get think, in the way of what you were trying to yeah, build. It's just, not, it's just not in line with my mission right now. You know, I think long term, it would be so interesting for me to explore like, what does it feel like now, right? Like, what are the things that are maybe no longer in my way? What are the things to observe that are still in my way? Um, but right now I'm just sort of so fulfilled with what I get to do. And, and frankly, it's probably a better fit in some ways for my, my skill set, right? Like I think, uh, you know, a, a skill and a challenge I had as an actor is I was like organic to a fault at times. Like I was not the person that was best actually playing within the play. And it was a source of frustration, frankly, to some co-stars and some like directors I worked with. Like there was such a organic like thing that sometimes I didn't hold it close enough. And that could be right. challenging for the people I'm working with, you know, because like I'm not going to jimmy up the tears if I'm not feeling them today. Like... They're not happy. I'll make a slightly yeah, different choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I wanted to play a little bit more, and and that's you know not even like wrong, but it's not everybody's cup of tea as as a, a an actor. And you know, again, it was like I was changing like dialogue or changing blocking, but um, but it occurred to me. You know, you listen. You know, over the years, you hear like where people like or give you notes consistently, and where there's going to be frustrations. And I was like, I'm thinking this is a thing I do well. That's like not great all the time. And of course, speaking, whatever I want, right? Like it's going to be like you know, based on where I'm feeling that audience is at, you know, that's what's interesting about speaking too. There's, there's such an art to where you are in the day, right? The type of energy, the type of showmanship that's required at right after lunch or at the end of the day is very different than when you go second, right? An audience is in a dark room all day long. Uh, I, I try to really be cognizant of what's going on with them, what's going on with their energy levels, what have the speakers before me, um, what sort of energy have they been bringing on? How have they been relating with the audience? Well, you're what likely like going to stick out needs? like a sore thumb because totally. I, I, I'm a physical therapist, well, performer turned physical therapist, mm -hmm. and I, I, the people who usually are presenting, it's there's a set format. There's a set format, and there's a set yeah. professional energy that is yeah. exuded. So when we come forward and we have this kind of thing it's just oh my god for them in a good way in a very good way and it is to our advantage if you end up in that kind of speaking realm yeah. when whatever you're doing it's pretty awesome uh, I'm, I'm so sorry Jen. i'm getting like a echo right now oh really is this better yeah oh, i'm, hearing, I'm hearing you also talk i'm hearing it what i what i would do with that because that's something going on with facebook take off one of the headphones oh interesting and just, it's just, it's not going to get rid of the echo, but it'll make okay. it a little, does that make okay. sense? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, well, I'll shorten this up a little bit more just for that, and, unless we get no some worries. more questions, because it's be a great annoying. opportunity for me to focus on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For the people who are actors and they're considering going into 
something else as an entrepreneur. I know you're working with other entrepreneurs, but specifically with this niche of people, what are some things that you talk about regularly that you think are good messages to share right now? And would you please share them? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I don't feel like people actually ask me a lot about like, what advice I would give to like actors that are considering entrepreneurship. Well, because it's um, God forbid that we ever do that. Yeah, yeah, which is which is like just like not a helpful like thing, honestly. <laughs> it's like particularly in today's day and age, it's like the greatest time to be alive. You can make a living doing so many things, and you can make a living doing a lot of things that are pretty detached from trading dollars for hours. Not there's anything wrong with that, but. Excuse me. The internet, for all its like profound challenges, has really democratized a lot of ways to make money doing things you love, right? So, if I were to give anything advice, I guess off the top of my head, it would just be honest with yourself about what are the things you love, and what are the things you love that other people value, right? Because it does really take all three. It needs to be something you love enough that ultimately you can be very, very good at it, and that like the market values. Right, so there might be something you love, but if there's if no one there's no opportunity for anybody to give you money for that, and nobody really wants that, that's not wrong. But that's just kind of a hobby, right? Conversely, if you're like pretty good at something that people want to give you money for, but you don't like it, which is a lot of day jobs actors have, it's not the end of the world. But I would just encourage you to look for the thing that's all three: the thing that you love, the thing that you can be really really good at, and the thing that people genuinely value. I love that. How can you figure out what they genuinely value? Or am I bringing you down a big rabbit hole with that question? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. If there's like an easy kind of go-to, but I, I think like if I were to make up an exercise off the top of my head, would be think about all the times in your life you've been happiness. Think about all the things when you're learning about them you're genuinely interested in. Because for a lot of people, yeah, I just think like particularly as artists. Our lives are big. Like artists, at our best, like should be curious. I think, right? If you're a curious person, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. Like at this point, one, like my biggest challenge, which I'm aware is like the biggest challenge, is like I, just, I don't know what to do next. I've got the two businesses, but like I kind of like a lot of stuff. Like I'm really into like microeconomics right now. I think real estate is very interesting. Like, there's, I'm so interested in so many things that like I feel like I can make a living doing a lot of things. And I'm trying to be strategic about okay, since I. Lot of things. Uh, what am I actually going to be good at, and what actually is going to be really impactful to the world? Yeah. Like on my deathbed, which thing will I look back and be like, okay, that really meaningfully found a good balance of moving a lot of people and then moving them deeply. Because I think if we're going to get very nerdy about like service and impact, I don't. It's not. I think uh, mutually exclusive or inversely correlated. But there is a consideration around. Do you want to help a lot of people, or do you want to help a few people very deeply? Ideally, we want to do as much as we can, both, right? The biggest possible positive impact and as many people. But I think that's another consideration that somebody might want to spend some time thinking on because different opportunities, different roles in entrepreneurship, even if they're just looking to be a freelancer, they're, they're different things, you know? Like, and you can make a career doing everything now. It's a really it's a weird time to be alive in a lot of very challenging ways. Um, but it's also a very cool time to be alive, and that's one of the ways where it's cool right now. Yeah, a lot of thank yous in the feed right now. I know you can't see, but people are loving oh, it. Oh. Yes, it's great, cool. great perspective they're saying in general. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, people are appreciative of that. All right, so I would love to now take you through. We're going to get to the end, mostly because you have that echo going on and I'm not seeing questions pop up. So you guys, feel free to ask questions and we'll pause for it. So I do these two things at the end of every interview that are just fun. 
So if you've ever seen MTV, I think it's on MTV or online where they're with some sort of celebrity, say Will Smith. Of course, I'm going to bring up Will Smith. I love Will Smith. They, Will Smith, and they ask 100 questions. What's your favorite color? Brown. Da, 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 and they're walking around the home. We're going to yeah. do a very shorter version of that. <laughs> okay. Okay? Cool. I'm just going to ask you random questions. I'm excited. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, since it was in my heart before, what is your unicorn color? Uh, favorite unicorn color, glitter. Love it. When you fart, what does it smell like? Uh, great. Greatness. It's great. It's great. Do you prefer doing a handstand or a cartwheel? Mm, uh, cartwheel. Would you prefer to see a Broadway show that gets you to think or gets you to laugh? Oh, both, but former if I had to choose. Which, what was, which one did you choose? At? Which one was the former? I said both, but think if I had to choose. Think if you had to choose. Think if yeah. you had to choose. What kind of grades did you get in, in school? Straight A's. Oh, straight A student. Hey, yeah. oh. It worked out good. <laughs> it worked. It did. It did work Stop out good. the time. Good. Also, it doesn't necessarily correlate to any actual life success. So, <laughs> If you could do one, if you didn't have to worry about money, but you could yeah. do something as a job for free for the rest of your life, what would it be? I think this, honestly. Then you know you're doing the right thing. That's amazing. This, yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I love it. All right. It. Now we're going to finish with a mic drop. So this could be any message you would want to give to somebody who's thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, but they're really dealing with that turmoil that we deal with yeah. of that quitting. I'm embarrassed. I'm a yeah. quitter now. Oh my, oh my God. I oh my said gosh. I was going to be this person. Now I'm doing this. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I would love for you to just speak from the heart to that person give as much as you would like that you think could help can go yeah yeah I think it's just truly such a limiting belief to think that you have to choose between I think that's the first thing right because to be clear I don't know that everybody should be an entrepreneur not everybody's really wired for it. that's something I've definitely like learned so like to be clear the reason to not be an entrepreneur is not because you're afraid of quitting acting the reason to not be not sure not might just be because you know you're just not wired for that kind of hustle, that kind of marketing, that kind of sales, all of which is required if you're going to be an entrepreneur. However, if you are feeling the itch, if you were like me where I was a few years ago and you were wondering about what that could be like and you're, you're curious but you feel like you have to choose, I, I don't know that you need to. I don't know that you need to. Now again, it depends on what you want, right? My entrepreneurial dream and vision became something became all-consuming. It's the only thing I wanted to do. So once that happened, I like happily left acting for this other adventure that I'm having. But this is an amazing time. There's a lot of amazing resources. If you can find a thing that you love that you can do even 10 to 15 hours a week, there are ways of monetizing your passion and the way you can serve people that were not available 10 years ago. So I would say, I would just encourage the person to not assume they really have to choose between number one. And then number two, the last thing is also being open to your dreams changing, right? The end game, I think for all of us, is like happiness and fulfillment, right? And listen, I teach goal setting. I'm all My favorite saying about goals is that plans never work, but planning always does. So yeah, go ahead and plan, but like you've got to understand like it's not going to happen. When you do a five-year plan, it's not about like, I'm going to make that five-year happen no matter what. It's about the process of planning. 
And one has to be flexible, has to allow for dreams to change and evolve over time, to follow your curiosity, follow things you're interested in, and at the same time, follow the things that you genuinely know other people value and can have real impact and serve the world. I love that. Boom. Mic drop. Booyah. Oh my gosh, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. This is a, a true honor. I've never gone to see you at the gym when I've been there. I've always I'm real. been I've always been like, is he there? I'm a real person. But this is this is absolutely fabulous. I love what you created. Thank you for coming on, especially to this group where the goal is for us to get into the act of giving to each other, not taking. Um, so it. just thank you. Thank you, thank true, you, true thank honor. you. Yeah. And if anybody has any follow-up after, uh, you can just hit me up in Mark and markfisherfitness.com. I'm uh, always happy to answer two to three something quickly. <laughs> so yeah, if they have any questions about anything, fitness, entrepreneurship, um, acting life, uh, I always say I don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing um, and I'm happy to share. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, friends.